0: You're listening to the Turn Again Ministries podcast with Evangelist Aaron Pratt. Turn Again Ministries is based out of Fellowship Baptist Church in Clark Lake, Michigan, and is dedicated to bringing America back to its godly heritage. Let's prepare our hearts as Evangelist Aaron Pratt brings forth God's word to us today.
1: Greetings Fellowship Baptist Church and those joining us on live stream Um, good to be in this generation where we're not allowed to go to church, but we're allowed to be inside your homes and, um, what a, what a blessed time that we live in to where we're not assembling together as the Bible calls for it, but you are at least joining with us and opening the scripture and praising his name. I look forward to the day where we no longer have to do this and where we can see each other in church and, um. and encourage each other in church, and sit under the preaching and the singing of God's Word um, as it calls for in Scripture. I look forward to that day. I trust all of you are doing well, enjoying these beautiful spring days. Um, uh, You guys saw snow, I'm sure, today, like I did, and it's kind of shocking in the middle of April to see snow. Well, today we will be in the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew chapter number six, the Gospel of Matthew chapter number six, and we will begin reading in verse number 24. I'll make no promises, but I'm pretty sure I will not go as long as I did the last time. <laughs> that was a lot to get through, and um, I cut it down as much as I can. So I'm pretty sure I won't go as long, so please bear with me. We are in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto a stature? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glories was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O oh, ye of little faith? Therefore took no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the scripture. We thank you for live stream, Lord. We just pray that you would get Satan's hands out of live stream who would prevent those from hearing your word open this evening, Lord. I pray that you would eliminate all distractions, Lord. I pray that you would quiet the kids, Lord. We are now in a time where there is no nursery and we we, we desire to see the nursery more than other, ever, Lord. And I, I just pray that you would... Quiet the kids this evening, keep them quiet, Lord, that you would be the nursery for us this evening. Heavenly Father, I pray that you, your spirit will speak to us. We need your spirit to speak to us. We're needy people and we, we don't know how much we need it, Lord, but we know that you know what we need and so we pray that you would provide for us the conviction that we need and the encouragement that we need. We pray that your word will go forth this evening, Lord, and that you would make great changes in the lives of individuals. And Lord, I pray for the soul that does not know you this evening, that's listening in, whether they're a part of fellowship, Lord, or or they're just listening in. Lord, I pray that you would show them that you love them, show them that you died for them, show them that you want to see them in heaven. We pray for these things in your name. Amen. No man can serve two masters, for either he will love the one and hate the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. When you see that word mammon in scripture, that word, def- that word is defined, it refers to those things which are material, material things. Material things are necessary for life. They include food and drink. They include your clothing. They include your housing. And they include um, all the other pleasurable things that we have in this life. They are things that we can hold in our hand. They are possessions. Mammon is possessions. Possessions in and of themselves are not evil Jesus here, though, makes a very strong distinction and a very strong statement saying, no man can serve two masters. And it's interesting that verse number 24 comes between what follows and what precedes. What we see before this passage, this passage that I just read to you, refers to taking thought, or we will say for now, worrying and being consumed with worries over and fears over how we're going to pay our bills and how we're going to make ends meet God rebukes Jesus rebukes the disciples and his and his followers for taking thought for raiment saying that if you do so then you're not serving God but you're serving mammon and this is sandwiched in between a passage of scripture that comes before this, where Jesus begins, and it's familiar to most of you, I'm sure, lay not up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moth and rust does corrupt, and where thieves broke through and steal. So what we have here is what precedes this is is a rebuke of the sin of covetousness. And sandwiched in between this is Jesus saying, if you're covetous, You serve mammon and not God. And then what proceeds this verse from verse 24 onward is worry and fear over our finances and over the possessions and the material things that we have. And Jesus is saying, if you worry about those things, then you also serve mammon. And so we have here a sin that twin sister sins. That are two sides of the same coin. The first deals with covetousness, and the second deals with taking thought. The person who is covetous now and their wealth will be consumed with worry when they are poor, and the person who is consumed with worry when they are poor will be consumed with even more riches and even more covetousness when they are rich. They are twin sins. Jesus is very black and white. He says that no man can serve two masters. And if you are serving riches, if you are serving possessions, if you give your time and your thoughts and your energy to what you can consume on this earth, then Jesus says that you don't love God, you hate God. That you don't hold to God or cling to God and keep him close to you, that you Push him away, that you despise him, that you hold a low opinion of him. Is God loving enough to provide for you? Does he care? Does he care about you? Does he see your need? Is he able to see your need? Does he care enough to look your way? Is he looking your way now in your time of need? So the God that sees your sin and your your worry and your, your chasing after mammon and your worrying over mammon, he sees your sin and he convicts you of those things, but he can't see your need? What kind of God is that? How very little power is that? The God who cared so much to send his son to die for you doesn't care that you have a need? What an insult to an all-loving and all-knowing and a benevolent heavenly father to be consumed with thoughts about material things. Why do you despise him? I know that sounds extreme when we say that when we When we hold to material possessions and when we worry about what we shall eat or what we shall drink or how we shall be clothed, that it's despising God. But that's exactly what Jesus says, that you despise God, that you hold him away, that you hold a low opinion of him. You cannot serve God and mammon. There is no gray line here. You cannot serve mammon and love God. You can say that you believe God loves you, but your words equate to vanity if you carry the weight of worry with you in this life. What would you think if one of your children looked at you between every meal, wondering whether or not you were going to be loving and caring and notice enough to give them their next meal? You cannot serve God and mammon. It's easy to say that God owns a cattle on a thousand hills when times are plentiful, but if you cannot do that when times are hard, then those words are just empty statements to you. They don't actually mean anything that will make a difference in your life. You cannot serve God in mammon. You cannot call him Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides, yet when financial struggles hit, all of a sudden, he's no longer a God that provides. And you have to find some other way to provide for yourself because somehow in your mind, God has abandoned you and you need to figure this situation out for yourself. Somehow God, in your mind, is such a heavenly father in the good times, but in our minds, he's abandoned us and not much of a heavenly father in the tough times. You cannot serve God and mammon. In verse number 25, Jesus says something. He uses these words: take no thought. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. And he repeats that statement: those three words: take no thought. In verse 25, he says, um, take no thought for your life and your body. In verse 27, he says, how is it profited if you take thoughts? Verse 31, it says, take no thought for life and body. In verse 34, he says it again and again and again. Take no thought for life and for your future. So often when you hear this passage taught, take no thought is equated to anxiety. It's equated to worry and There's truth to that, but that's not quite right. That's not quite there. When we identify take no thought as worry and anxiety, we're identifying the fruit of the tree and not the root of the tree. If I take my wallet to the store with me, I carry it with me wherever I go. If I take my phone with me wherever I go, it's always on my possession. And sometimes I forget that it's there, but it rings and it beeps and and I can feel it in my pockets, And so I know it's there. I take it with me. The same expression as take no thought is used in one of our Ten Commandments, thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Which doesn't mean that you don't use his name as a curse word, though that's an offset of that. That's, that's an offshoot of that. What that means is that you don't take the names of God, that he's all powerful. You don't carry that with you wherever you go, but then hold that as such little value and little meaning. When Jesus says, take no thought, he says, when you take something with you, you carry it with you wherever you go. Thus, if I take thought for food and raiment, those are the things that in my mind I may not think about continually, but it's always there within my reach to grasp hold of. If I take you as a passenger in my car to the store and you're, you're riding with me and we're, we're riding to or we're riding to Walmart, or, or we're riding to wherever we go, you're there with me and I might be able to Get lost in my thoughts, either looking at the scenery or listening to what's on the radio. And I forget that you're there. But ultimately, you cough or you say something, and I know that you're there. I carry you with me. I take you with me. Take no thought. Thus, when I take thought for food and raiment, I may forget about the food and raiment for periods of time. But the littlest thing might remind me of the electric bill the littlest thing going through the grocery store aisle and then checking out and seeing the price that i have to pay reminds me of taking thought for food and raiment i carry these things with me these thoughts about how shall i be clothed and how shall I pay for this? And how shall I pay for that? And how shall I meet, make ends meet? And, and then they produce worry. And then they produce anxiety. And then they produce fear. And in those cases, when I take thought for food, and when I take thought for raiment, I serve, I make myself a servant of possessions. I make myself a servant of mammon and not a servant of God. I despise God when I do so. Is not life more than meat in the body than raiment? Jesus says in Luke 12:15, "Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the things and the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Not in the, your life is so much more than the house that you live in. Your life is so much more than the clothes that you wear. Your life is so much more than the food that you eat. Your life is so much more than the possessions that you have in your garage, the car that you drive. Your life is so much more than that. Inside of you is something that consists of your life that is so much deeper and so much truer. It's something that never dies. It's something that the beasts of the field do not have. And so they can take thought for food. That's all they live for. But you and I, we have something so much greater, so much bigger, so much deeper, so much more eternal Yet we live our lives so often as from nine to five, paying the bills, this thing and that thing, and balancing the checkbook. Jesus says, is not your life more than food and more than raiment? Why are you consumed with these thoughts? Why do you take these thoughts with you? Is there not much more than food and raiment in heaven? Is there not the bread of Life in heaven? Is there not a robe of righteousness awaiting me in heaven? Is not your life more than food and raiment on this earth? Should you not seek that food and raiment which is above? That bread of life in heaven, that bread of life residing in your heart? Take no thought for your life. Take no thought what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than these? Job understood this. He says, neither have I gone back from the commandments of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. We need food to survive. If we don't eat after a long period, after a little period of time, we will die. If we don't eat after a little period of time, we will grow weak and we will grow famished and we will will grow weary. We need food to live. And Job said, as important as that is for my body to continue to exist in this world, in order for my heart to continue to beat and the blood to continue to flow through these vessels, more important than that is the words of the mouth of my God. The words written in this book, Christian, are so much more important than the food that you eat and the water that you drink. You, you rarely go a day without food, but how many of you want a day without opening the word of life? Verse 26 Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, for your heavenly Father feedeth them. They sow not. The birds of the field, they, they don't make plans for the future, they don't budget. They reap not they 't they don't even really work for their food they ga- they don 't gather into barns they don 't store things up for a rainy day in case of famine they don 't save they don 't save for retirement they don 't save for a rainy day and of course there's nothing wrong with these things, obviously the bible says. If a man will not work, he's worse than an infidel. And there's wisdom and there's biblical wisdom to saving up and making plans for the future and budgeting your money. Yet the problem is that so many of us allow these things to control us and consume us. So many of us allow the things of of our house payment and our food and our clothing and our retirement and our, oh, all so many financial security issues that rise up in our minds. And we allow these things to be, instead of just taking care of them and placing them in the hands of God, we take thought to those things. We carry those things with us wherever we go. We worry about the stock market. We worry about our retirement. We worry about this thing and we worry about that thing because we've been carrying the load of these thoughts with us wherever we go. When Jesus said, cast your load and cast your burden upon me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take no thought. Take no thought for those things. You solve them, you do those things, you make your budget, you do your work, you pay your bills, and you save what you can, and you leave the rest to the Lord. You take no thought. And Jesus concludes this verse in saying, are you not much better than they? Are you not much better than they, the birds of the field? I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. In Genesis 1.27, God explains to us how very special and very important we are. How much more important we are than any beast of the field, than any other animal that exists because we're very different from them. And Genesis 127, the Bible says, God, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, created he him. Christian, you are created in the image of God. There's something very special that he sees inside of you. And if God then looks at the ravens of the field and the birds and the beasts of the field and he feeds them, and He gives them their necessary food from day to day. Are you not much better than they, you have, who have been created in the image of God? The birds don't worry about what they will eat, but you and I who have been created in the image of God and are so much better than they, we worry about what we will eat. And you understand, Christian, let me pause here for a moment. I know that we live in the United States of America and we're not in the Philippines. That at this time and this point in the history of our country, we do not actually have to worry about food. If you don't have enough money to pay for your food, then the government will help you pay for your food. We don't live in a nation where where people are starving for their food. So you understand when I talk about food and raiment, I'm talking about so much more than that. All of your material possessions in Luke chapter 12 and verse 26 the companion passage of this Jesus says if ye then be not able to do that which is least why take ye thought for the rest you can't provide for your food you don't go out and grow it and if you did go out and grow it you can't control the rain you can't control the sunshine God controls those things. And you and I, we go to the market and we buy our food and we take those things for granted in this country. We can't even do the bare necessities in life. We cannot provide those things for us. We, we cannot. And Jesus says in Luke twelve twenty seven, if you're not able to do that which is the least, just give, provide yourself with food and water why take ye thought for the rest? For your house, for your for your for your bills, and for your retirement, and for this thing and for that thing? Matthew six and verse twenty-nine it says, and I say unto you, and verse twenty-eight, uh, verse twenty-seven, and why take and which of you by taking thought can add one cubit into his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They, they toil not, neither do they spin. They don't work hard to get to where they are. They don't do anything. They don't spin thread in order to clothe themselves. Yet Jesus said, And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glories was not arrayed like one of these. Solomon was the richest man to ever live on this earth. He was glorious, so glorious that his fame was spread abroad, so glorious that not a commoner but a queen, her name is the Queen of Sheba, came to him. She came to him because she didn't believe her ears in what she heard. And so she came to him to see who this King Solomon was. And she said, after I looked around and I saw the glory of his servants and I saw all of these things that no doubt Solomon worked his servants to get those things. They toiled, not like the lilies. They toiled to get those things and they spun to get those things, not like the lilies. And the queen of Sheba says, the half of me had not been told. Your riches and your glory are far greater than I could have ever imagined. And Jesus says, even the man that was the most glorious in appearance that's ever existed on the face of the earth, he's not as glorious As the little lilies in the field that we would run over with a lawnmower and trample underfoot. The lilies in the field that no doubt the Queen of Sheba, as she's going to Jerusalem to look at this King Solomon, she passed by and she took those things for granted. Jesus says, the lilies of the field are so much more glorious and have so much more splendor than King Solomon and all of his glory in the highest state of his glory. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? If God is, has his eye on the grass of the field, the lilies, so much so to where he clothes them and he feeds them, things that you and I take for granted, things that are so much less than us. If God has his eye on those things and he has has the power to do it and he cares for even the lilies of the field, Christian, does he not care for you? Does he not care about your electric bill? Does he not care about the food that's on your table? Does he not care about the things that you need in life, your clothing, your raiment? Those things that are of so little value that today they grow up and tomorrow they're cast into the oven, you and I, Christian, were not much different than those things of the field. Man is not much different than the things of the field. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. You wither and you fall away. Life is so brief. Life is so short. Why take you thought for food and raiment? Who is your master? Is your master the Lord God or is your master mammon? The voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the fields." The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. You are grass, Christian. Your life is so short, it's a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then quickly vanisheth away. You're grass. And all of these things that you're consumed about in this life, your food and your raiment and all of those material possessions, you're so consumed of those, but those things will burn up just like the grass and just like you. are you not much better than they? Are you not much better than the fowls of the air? Are you not much better than the grass of the field? Are you not much better than the beasts of the field? You who have been created in the image of God, are you not much better than they? Will he not feed you? Why then, then you toil your years in life, worrying about your possessions and taking your thought with your possessions and carrying those thoughts with you to wherever you go, to where they produce this worry and this fear and this lack of faith in God as a heavenly father that provides for you and that cares for you. O ye of little faith, Jesus says, shall he not much clothe you? O ye of little faith heart not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness when your fathers tempted me proved me and saw my works 40 years they saw the wonderful things that i did for them yet they still doubted that i would provide for them or if i was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways so i swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest you are at war inside your soul christian You're not at rest. You're worried about your possessions. You take thought about this thing and that thing. You're at war. You don't enter into the rest of God that he provides through peace in your heart when you cast your burdens upon him. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. The living God. Is your God alive or is he dead? How alive is he? How intimately involved in your life, in your daily life is he? Is he a living God? Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? As it is written Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Psalm 78 talks about Israel that we just mentioned, their temptation, their provocation of God, and they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. They had enough. God had provided for them in miraculous ways, but they weren't satisfied with it. They wanted more. Their God was mammon. They weren't content with the things that God gave them. He gave them food. He gave them raiment. But they weren't content with the food. They wanted better food in their eyes. They wanted better raiment in their eyes. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Oh, this country might be heading for some very rough times financially. You need to understand that God is not a servant to the stock market crashing. He can still provide for you. God is not a servant to, he's not beholden by whether or not the value of the dollar holds. He's not beholden by that. He can still support missionaries. The water's gushed out. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? He provided Water in the desert, in the wilderness, in the parched and dry land, he provided water out of a rock. And in a land where there was no food, he provided food for the people. Yet there wasn't enough for them. They wanted more. Their God was Mammon. Their God was not the God, the Lord God Almighty. Their God was Mammon. They were servants of Mammon. They despised God. And as, as Jesus says in Matthew They loved the one and hated the other. They loved the mammon. They loved the possessions and hated God because they believed not in God and trusted not in His salvation. Though He had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven and had rained down manna upon them to eat and have given them the corn of heaven. Man did eat angels' food. He sent them meat to the full. so often we can get discontent with the possessions that we have it's not new enough it's not it doesn't look the way that we want it to in america in this day and age we have a distorted sense of what a necessity is do you know that pictures on your wall is not a necessity it's not a necessity Do you know that the vast majority of what you have in your home is not a necessity? Man, do you know that the vast majority of those tools you have in your shed is not a necessity? Those are luxury items. Yet you and I, we get so very discontent with our possessions. And we make God, we make our God mammon, instead of the one that bought us with the shed blood on the cross. And thus we live like the Gentiles. We live like an unsaved man. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. What an insult to our heavenly Father. What if your child was worried from one meal to the next? I'll say it again. As to whether or not you were be going to be a good parent and actually give them food for today. The same matters for all of your possessions. If ye then, be in evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? But... No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and Ammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. You replace those evil thoughts of discontentment, those thoughts of worry and fear, taking the thoughts of your possessions with you wherever you go. You cast them off of you and you turn around and you seek not mammon, not possessions in this life, but you seek first the kingdom of God. Israel during the exile... They went back to Israel. We see this in the book of Ezra and we see this in the book of Nehemiah. And there are prophets that speak on this. I preach to the people and we have those prophets. Some of those prophets are in the minor prophets of your Old Testament. And they they went back to Israel seeking first the kingdom of God. But then the daily life and the toil and the grind of life got to them. And it got to the point where the house of God was laying waste. What they had sought to do, why they came back to Jerusalem in the first place, they had completely missed it. And instead of doing that, they were more concerned about their own possessions. Is it a time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses? In this house lie waste? Consider your ways. You have so much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages earn earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts: Consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it. Seek first my kingdom, and I will take pleasure in it. And those bags that once had holes will be filled. Ye look for much, and lo, it came to little, and when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts? Because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man into his own house, his house that will one day burn to the ground. Seeking possessions, how foolish is that? Seek ye first the kingdom, the kingdom of God not seeking the kingdom of God in order to get mammon. But seeking the kingdom of God because you want the kingdom of God, because you desire Jesus and you desire nothing else in return. And maybe Jesus will bless you then with more mammon, but your true blessings are the eternal riches in heaven. Verily I say unto you, ye seek me, not because ye saw miracles, because, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Who is your master, mammon or Jesus? Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Seek ye first the kingdom of of God what is the kingdom of God the kingdom of God is not meat and drink no but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost where do we find the kingdom of God behold the kingdom of God is within you how do we seek after the kingdom of God Oh, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God Seeking the kingdom of God as a little child. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Oh, you can hunger and thirst after mammon, and you'll never, ever be filled. Though you're the richest man on earth, though you equate your riches to that of Solomon, the richest man to ever live, you will always be hungry for more mammon, and you will never be filled. But blessed are they, at peace happy. Happy are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has a jurisdiction, it has land, and that land is inside of your heart, Christian. You were born again into the kingdom of God. The real estate that is inside of you and everything that you are and everything that consumes you and everything that you consist of was bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, you're not your own. What is inside of you is not your own. It's God's. He is King of kings and Lord of lords in your heart. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Yet many... Many of us are at civil war inside of our souls and we have no peace and we have no rest because we're seeking after the God of Mammon instead of Jesus Christ. We're at civil war. We've taken back pieces of land inside of our hearts and there's darkness and there's light and they're fighting against each other and we can never have rest and we can never have peace because our God is Mammon and we're at war with ourselves and we're at war with God inside of his own kingdom inside of our hearts. When you seek mammon, you are seeking your own kingdom and not the kingdom of God. Please tell me, Christian, how it is that you can have a door, a sign over the doorpost of your heart that says this is God's kingdom, yet there are certain rooms inside of your heart that do not belong to him. Please tell me how the two can be true. Please tell me how you can give God the right to make decisions in some areas of your life, but not all areas of your life. He's allowed to make decisions about which church you go to, but not by who, not about who you're employed by. He's allowed to make decisions about who your pastor is, but not about who your friends are. He's allowed to make decisions about some of the entertainment that you consume, but not all of them. He's allowed to make decisions about how you dress on Sunday morning, but not allowed to make decisions about how you dress when you go to Meyer. He's allowed to make decisions about how you teach your Sunday school class and how you approach the Word of God and speak forth the truth of the Word of God. But he's not allowed to make decisions when you're in daily conversation with your wife and with your kids and with your friends at church. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Of God, His kingdom is inside of your heart. You seek that first and you give all of your heart to Him, every single room of your heart, hiding nothing from God. And you do that and you will no longer be holden to the God of mammon. You will no longer be holden down by possessions. Many of you say, I don't want to worry about the bills. I don't want to worry about mammon. I don't want to be consumed about mammon, but I'm convicted and I feel like I'm. consumed by mammon, and I don't know how to get away from it. Jesus tells you that the solution is to seek first the kingdom of God, and if you do that, if you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, you won't have time to think about and carry the thoughts of your possessions with you. The two cannot exist at the same time. Thoughts of mammon, taking thoughts of mammon with you, It is not possible when you're seeking first the kingdom of God. When you put your eyes on Jesus and when you put your eyes on his righteousness, those thoughts of mammon will disappear. It's not possible for them to be there. It's not possible for you to worry and fret over what you have and what you don't have whenever you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is the anecdote to your problem, Christian. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. The Lord is our righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, but they being ignorant of God's righteousness. Do you have God's righteousness? And going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Are you going about to establish your own righteousness through good works? God says that's impossible. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? If you are going about to establish your own righteousness, then God says that you're unrighteous and you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You will not go to heaven when you die. But he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I cannot, through my own good works, become righteous. No matter how good I am and no matter how hard I try and no matter how disciplined I am in the word of God, no matter how hard I try, at the end of the day, I am unclean and undone and I am unrighteous in the eyes of God. And he casts me out of his sight and throws me into hell because I could never be righteous on my own accord. But oh, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sin. He was crucified on the cross and rose again, justifying us so that if we receive the righteousness of God through faith, then we are declared righteous. And then we are given the ability as Christians, as born-again children of God, to seek after His righteousness in this life. Christian and being found in him not having mine own righteousness but which is of the law but that which is through the faith of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith your righteousness you living in your this life a life that is pleasing to God a life that is obedient to the commands of the one who sits on the throne of the kingdom inside of your heart it's all about just obeying his commands And you and I, Christians, we do not have the power within us to obey His commands. We don't. Not enough self-discipline can cause us to ever obey His commands in a way that's pleasing in the sight of God. Which is why I need the righteousness of God in my daily life, allowing the Holy Spirit to produce righteous fruit in me. And the only way to do that is if I walk by faith just believing that God didn't just justify me from hell but that He sanctified me and He set me apart for good works and that if I just follow Him and obey and listen listen to the voice of the One who sits on the throne of my heart and owns every part of it, if I just listen to that, if I just open my ear to that and obey, then I can trust that God will chase away the sin. I can trust that God will chase away the Canaanites of the land and I can trust that God will fulfill His, his righteousness in me i have not come to destroy the law but to fulfill the law jesus said he's the one that fulfills the law in you but seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness oh who is your master that's the title of this message who is your master mammon or god He's allowed to make decisions about tithing, but not about how much more we give. Our budget on our computer tells us those things. How is he Lord of all, but you haven't trusted him to the size of your family? Please tell me how he is Lord of all, but you don't ask him about whether or not to go to this place. He's lord of your bank account, but you don't ask him what you should and shouldn't buy. We often come far short of how beautiful our lives could be because we make the decisions in our lives out of fear and worry, out of taking thought for mammon, instead of seeking first the kingdom of God and just allowing him to pour those blessings on us. Why don't you give him a try? I remember when I was in China, they had an unusual way of witnessing to lost folks. We'd get inside of a taxi and they'd tell me about the conversation they have with the taxi driver. The taxi driver's a Buddhist and they're talking to him and they say, do you know Jesus? Why don't you give him a try? Why don't you just start praying to him and ask him to provide things for you and ask him for this thing and that thing and just see if he's real. See whether or not he is God. Christian, why don't, why don't you give him a try? Why don't you seek his kingdom and why don't you just devote your entire life and your, all of your decisions to him? Why don't you ask him about even the small and minor things? And Christian, you'll be surprised. You will be surprised at how intimately involved God wants to be and even what you consider to be the minor things in life. You'll be surprised that when you ask the Lord in certain cases, not all cases, but ask the Lord that the food will be a certain price that the Lord somehow puts it on sale. You'll be surprised about how when you have a certain need and you ask for that need on that particular day, now somebody just so happens to slip a $1,000 your way. You'll be surprised that when you give every area of your life and allow Him to meet your needs. Instead of worrying and taking thought of mammon with you wherever you go, where you seek first the kingdom of God, and allow Him to make the decisions in your life. Oh, why don't you give Him a try? What what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? By allowing God to make the decisions in your life, even those decisions... That you feel like are so very minor, so very small. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve possessions and say that you also serve God. If you serve possessions, if you're consumed with thoughts over possessions, if you carry those things with you wherever you go, then Jesus says in this passage that you're not a servant of God. You're a servant of something that will one day burn up. You're a servant of something so foolish as to be possessions. And Jesus says, why don't you seek me instead? Why don't you seek me and give me a try and find out and seek after my righteousness and allow me to be the ruler inside the kingdom of your heart and watch me? Watch what I can do, watch what I want to do. Watch me show myself to be the God that I am, the living God. And I'll add all those things to you. You don't have to worry, you don't have to fret. I'll add all of those things to you. Who is your master? God or Mammon?